I'm going to share my heart this morning. As Drew asked me to speak a couple weeks ago, and God just put some things on my heart pertaining to the transition that Relate is going into right now, into the new building in Savannah. And just I had some thoughts I want to share with you relative to that and what God's doing. And uh, yeah, my wife and I are moving to North Atlanta. And uh, part of it's by choice, part of it's not by choice, part of it's just life moving on. And But we will be back. I plan on being here for the opening and uh, just to join you there and celebrate. But anyhow, um, we're going to be moving on, but I'm going to be loading my truck Thursday if anybody's not busy. <laughs> so I'm 62, and it's like I just don't have the... Okay, man, thank you. <laughs> Anyhow, but I want to share some things with you, some thoughts. The theme of this series we're in right now is In God We Trust. came in this morning, I found a dime laying in the floor out there, and it said, In God We Trust. I thought, you know, Lord, that's so awesome. It's on our money, our dollar bills, our $5 bills, our 20s, whatever. But it needs to be in our hearts, doesn't it? It needs to come from just religion, and i got a token of God here, but it needs to be in our hearts. In God We Trust. And that's a lifelong thing. And I want to share with you today that how by looking at the past and saying in God we trust in the past, we can gain faith and courage for the future, what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. Everybody in this room is, is about to step into their future right now. Today's the, today's the first day of your future. Right. Yeah. All right? Amen? And we don't know what's ahead of us, but we know because what God's Word teaches is going to be good. And God will be in it no matter what you face. I'm facing some change right now, but I know through the assurance of my Father's Word, it's going to be good and God's going to be, be involved in it. So let me share with you some scriptures. Let me pray first. Father, thank you for this time together. I just pray your Word would go forth today, Lord God, which is the most powerful thing in this building right now is your love and your Word. I pray your Word would not return vo void, but would accomplish that for which you sent it. Bless us, I pray, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read to you this morning some scriptures that I think are primary scriptures in the Bible, primary purposes for our lives today and what we should be doing. And then I want to talk about how does this look? How does this look, the shoe leather, and where the rubber meets the road? How do these look in people's lives? Amen? So we want to, I like being able to take scriptures and hear from people. This is what it really means. This is what happens. This is what it looks like. First one is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and this is called the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. And this is called the Great Commission. This is the commission of the church today. And the reason why you and I are sitting in this room today, believing in Jesus Christ, is because others have gone before us and brought forth the Great Commission. It could have been a grandma. It could have been a father. It could have been a mother. It could have been a Sunday school teacher. It could have been a church that you just happened to walk into one day. But because they have obeyed the Great Commission, you and I are here today in church fellowshipping. And we have a call and responsibility to go forth with this gospel and preach in the name of Jesus, and baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. second one is Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. It says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. 
So that's the gospel. And Mark said, whoa, demons, uh, snakes, drinking poison. And, you know, there's people that snake handlers in churches up in West Virginia where they, they, they demonstrate this by example. And every once in a while, some guy gets bit. He's gone. But anyhow, he's out of here. That's not the kind of gospel I'm talking about. But inadvertently, we come in contact with spiritual forces, don't we? We come against demons and snakes and Leviathan and all that. And we are victorious. And they will try to bite us, but they can never, ever win. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? And we do cast out demons. I've been involved in some demon casting out in my life. Pretty crazy stuff, but it's real. It's real stuff, and people need to deliver from demons. Amen? And it also says that we will lay hands on the sick, and, and God will raise them up. Raising up the sick and praying for sick people to get well is right next to preaching the gospel. They go hand in hand. And if you read the Bible, everywhere Jesus went, he did both those things always. He healed them, and he preached the gospel to people. So they go hand in hand. So we need to be laying hands on people and praying. Whether we see them get healed or not at that very moment, we need to obey the word and continue to press in and see people get healed. Amen? Amen. The next verse is John 3.16. You see it on Monday Night Football. It's in the stadiums. They got it there, John 3.16, in the hopes that people read it. And this is the, probably the epitome of all the scriptures. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, you know, that, that's the gospel. And people think God's there with a lightning bolt. They think God hates him. Or if God is love, then why did this happen to me? And you know what? We just have to believe that he is love and he loved us and he sent his son to die for us. Amen. The Bible says that the goodness of the Lord leads us to repentance. If your concept of God today is you're, you're a sinner, you're, 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 you're bad, you're, you're no good, that's not God's love at all. God wants to draw you to repentance. Yeah. Drew Meter, before I was even, even saved, God was in my life, but I couldn't see it because I was still in darkness. But after I got saved, I was like, wow, man. Lord, you were loving me even when I was in sin. You were calling me. Yeah. Forgive me for not coming to you sooner, Lord. Forgive me. The next one is in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp, a light a lamp, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I, if you were born again Christian, you are light and salt, God says, in this dark world. You know, I never some had anyone tell me, you know, <clears throat> that salt tasted like potatoes, man, it was really good. Or, man, that salt tasted like, like, like steak. No, they say, man, I, that steak I ate today was perfectly seasoned. What a nice combination of salt or pepper or whatever. And those potatoes, those mashed potatoes, man, they had some butter and they had some salt on it. It tasted so good. Salt is a preservative. <clears throat> Excuse me. It gives flavor. It gives life. Light lights up the darkness. And wherever a Christian goes, we bring the light. No matter where you go, you may have a hard family situation. Your extended family, it's holidays. Uh, we're going to go over there for Christmas. Man, I know everybody. Oh, they hate Jesus. They, they don't like me. You go and you bring the light. Amen? Amen? And sometimes we don't even say anything. People say, what's different about you? And you look different. What's, what is it? You know what it is? It's light. It's a spiritual light that's in the life of every Christian. And so you and I are light and salt to this dying world. Therefore, we need to be speaking into every arena we can. Not just in church, but in our neighborhoods, our families. Moms and dads need to go to school, to the PTA meetings, and be salt and light. 
And I believe we need to be sown all over. Even in government, I believe God puts his people there. He, puts, he did it with Daniel. He did it with other people. He puts us in places to be salt and light to a lost and dying world. That, that is so needed today. That is so needed in the church. We're tempted to pull back, aren't we? To go and have our nice little place over here. And man, it's just so mean out there. But that's not the gospel at all. The gospel is bring light and salt. Speak truth to a lost and dying world. Two more verses. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident. This, this is really, really personal now for the believer. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God has started a good work in you. Even before you were born again, He was working. But the minute you were born again, you allowed Him to continue that good work in a way that you are now cooperating with Him. Yeah. You know? You start, you start walking with Jesus and say, Man, God, you're doing a good thing. And after a while, man, God is working. It's a guarantee. Even when life is hard, you know that God's doing a good work, so you hold on to that promise. The next one, the last one, is Jeremiah 29.11. One of my favorites for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God has plans for us. I've had this verse in many transitions in my life. I've always claimed that, God, you have plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me hope and a future. I've held that word so fast, and it's guided me through transition. It's guided me through dark times in my life and difficult times. That word has held me fast. So what does this look like in shoe leather today, where the rubber meets the road? What do these scriptures mean? How does it look? Okay? And everybody has a testimony and everybody has a story. If you're a believer today, you should have a story of how you came to Jesus and what God's done in your life. Well, I was raised in church. We still got a story. You were raised in church. Thank God he, he was working in your life. You still have a story and a testimony. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, that we overcome the devil by the, the word of God and the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So it's powerful. Your testimony says, this is what Jesus Christ did in my life. And man, people can't argue with that. Right. You know, if, you, if you were in sin and now you're saved, can't argue with that. If you were blind but now you see, you know, in the Bible, they, it's got, Jesus made a blind man see, and they, the people are saying, how does it happen to you? How did that happen? He goes, I don't know. Go ask him. And all I know is, is I once was blind, but now I see. It's like, you can't argue with a testimony. You can't argue with a changed life. I mean, you can, but you won't win. But those who will listen, they're going to say, man, I want that too. I want a change in my life. Amen? Amen? So God wants us to look back, but he wants us to look back in a certain way. We can't look back with lust to go back to the past. We can't change the past. We can't long to be back there. But all we can do is say, God, where was your hand in my life in the past? That we might gain perspective and hope for today and the future. Because we're all moving ahead. And we should be gaining encouragement from what has happened in our past. In Deuteronomy 5.15, God told the Israelites, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand. In other words, don't ever forget where you've come from. Don't ever forget where you were when I found you. Yeah. And you know, I'm thankful today that God saved me. At the age of 18, my life is already messed up at age 18. I was already lost and heading steep into sin when God saved me. I'll never, ever, ever forget where I came from. It just gives me perspective to what God's done in my life today. Amen? Yeah. Deuteronomy 6.4, it's called the Shema. And every Hebrew Jewish person knows this verse. It says, 
Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And then it goes to say, impress these commands on your children. Talk about them at home and along the road and along the way. Impress them on your children. So God says, talk about these commands. There is one God. There is only one Lord. I know that everybody's saying, are you, there's many religions, many ways to God. You know, Unitarian Universalism, like they, they, they take such pride in that they have many ways to God. And it sounds so good, but you know what? That's not the truth. There's only one God. Christianity is exclusive, by the way. But I'm not going to act like I'm exclusive. I'm going to act with mercy and love. But there's only one God. Only one. The world needs to know that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The word the doesn't mean uh, it means the only. It means exclusive. The world needs to hear that truth today. It's not my only message this morning, but they need to hear that. You know, when I was a little boy, I mean, not when I was a little boy, when Drew was a little boy, raising my kids as young, I was a little boy once. I used to tell them little boy stories. And I would go up in their beds, you know, after they got their little bath and they got their onesies on, they're getting in bed, and they would smell so good, and the moon was shining in the window. I'd say, when I was a little boy, and I would tell them stories about how I had a little red tractor and I'd ride it everywhere, or how I played in the woods. We lived on a dead-end street. We played army in the woods. Man, all my kids were like, you know, because they were so impressed by their dad's example. But when I was a little, dad, you were a little boy once. And so, and then Pete's kids were over the other night, and I told them, Mayumi, Gabriel, and Levi, I said, look, when your dad was a little boy, I said, tell him these secrets, now I want to share them with you. And sure enough, they're all like, you know, it's amazing how kids want to listen. And then the Lord showed me one day, start telling them what I did in, their, in your life as you grew up. And I began to tell my kids, I shared them the gospel, and made sure it was all age appropriate. Because, you know, when you come out of sin, somebody you just don't want to talk about with your kids yet. But I made it age appropriate. I began to say, look, Drew, look, Pete, Naomi, Christy, this is what Jesus did in my life. I was lost. This is what happened to me. This is a tragedy in my life and where I went from that tragedy. How God drew me with his love and he'll do the same for you. I'll tell you something. Parents, your example is the most powerful thing in your kids' lives. And you need to, you need to know that. You need to act upon it and seize the opportunity to tell them what Jesus means to you. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. It's not the public school teacher's job. It's not, it's not even grandma's job, first and foremost, or grandpa, even though we love doing it. It's your job. You've been given the mandate. You've been given the influence to do that. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, when Israel crossed over the Jordan River, it's the second time they had crossed over something. They crossed over the Red Sea, being chased by the Egyptians, and then God delivered them. He split the seas open. They went, the Bible says they went across on dry land. Dry land, supernatural. And it says when they crossed the Jordan, it was, it was flood time of the year. In other words, there was, the river was flowing pretty hard. hard. And when the priest stepped into the river, it stopped and heaped up right to their left or the right, whatever it was. And it stopped. And again, they went across on dry land. That's supernatural, isn't it? Rivers don't dry up for months and months, even after you stop them. It's all mud. But God said, I want you to take 12 stones out of the river, one for each tribe of Israel, and put them over here as a memorial as to what I did in your life. And God also says, when your kids grow up, tell them, and they ask you, what do these stones mean? What are these stones there? What's this memorial? You tell them what I did for you. So you see, God wants us to remember his deliverance. He wants us to remember his supernatural provision. He wants us to remember what he's done in our past, in our history. He wants us to know that we got a track record for the kingdom of God. You know, the enemy will come and remind you of your past. He does it all the time. You need to remind him, yeah, but God. 
Yeah, but Jesus met me there. But Jesus forgave me. I'm cleansed of that. I'm not that anymore. Thank God for that. Thank God. That's, that's the testimony a Christian should have. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about the Nazca story today. I'm meaning, meaning my story and Terry's coming down the Drew and now 10, 11 grandkids, however many it is. <laughs> More coming. But anyhow, there's a story in my life. And, you know, it's a testimony of what God has done. And I look back at my story and I gain encouragement for today, for today and for what God's going to do in the future. I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. And... Um, I was radically saved out of some crazy sin, radically saved out of some crazy woundedness, crazy lifestyle stuff, drugs, alcohol. God saved me miraculously. He drew me with his love. And I was studying psychology at the University of Akron in Ohio. And I'm sitting there in class thinking, man, I want to help people. I, this is before I was saved. I wanted to help people. And when I got saved, I'm sitting in class thinking, man, it's just not getting it, you know? And one of my buddies said, hey, I'm going to go check out this Bible college. You want to come look at it? I said, sure, why not? So we drove down to Mount Vernon, Ohio. I checked out this Bible college, and there's all these Christian young people going after Jesus, going after God. Like, man, this is really cool. They're learning more about God. And I had a desire in my heart, man, I want to learn more about God, too. So I, I dropped out of psychology at the University of Akron, went to Mount Vernon, spent three and a half years in a Bible college to get a, a bachelor's degree in pastoral theology. And as the time went on, I'm thinking, you know, you graduate from these places and they call you a reverend, you know. It's like, that's not me. It doesn't fit me at all, you know. And, but I thought, I was intimidated. I was going to be a pastor one day. I thought, wow, I just came, I was hungry for God. But, you know, God leads our way, doesn't he? Yeah. We don't always know what it's going to look like, but God leads us. I had such a desire. And I met my wife, Terry, there, which Woo! is the best thing I got coming out of Bible college, besides my book education. And so, you know, we know that we know that we know that God put us in each other's life. And that helps us through the good times and the hard times today. It helps us to know that God put us together. Divorce has never been an option in our marriage. Okay? It's Jesus. And we realize God put us together and we're going to go after Him. And I pray that that'd be the same for you. But anyhow, we got saved. I got saved with the Bible college. And my first stint in ministry was in a place in South Chicago Heights, Illinois, called the Foursquare Christian School. And so I leave with a degree... And I end up in a, a school teaching kindergarten. <clears throat> Pretty crazy. I did it for three years. My first year I had 12 kids. My second year I had 21 kids. And 16 my third year. All by myself, all day long. And you know, that's tough stuff. I mean, I was 22, 23 years old. I'd come home at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and have to take a nap every day. I'd be worn out from directing traffic. Be quiet, sit down, eat your food. No, you can't go to the bathroom, quit crying. A says ah, as an apple. And you know, you got 20 kids, that's crazy, it's hard. But that's what I did for three years. And after, after the first year, I thought, nah, this can't be the end of the line. This can't be my career. I love it, Lord. But, but you know what? I got to sew into those five-year-olds. And by the time the end of the year came, you know, they had a Bible verse for every letter of the alphabet. They were loved by me. I gave them the gospel. So I know that I know that I know God used me to speak into their lives. And a lot of people send their kids to Christian school that are not Christians, but they know that's a good place to be. So I even had little heathen kids. And I'd be loving them with the gospel. And they'd go home for the weekend and come back on Monday and everything I taught seemed to be gone. I had to start all over again and love them. This is in the 80s. It's even, I'm sure it's even crazier today. But you know what? That's where I started out in ministry, teaching kindergarten. But as I look back, I see that God, that was a door of ministry to give my life away, to be salt and light, to preach the gospel, to tell these five-year-olds, Jesus loves you no matter what. No matter what you face in life, you can always call on his name. I still have a, 
one of them on Facebook today. She's like 46 years old and got three kids. And I was her Sunday school teacher. Woo! It goes way back. Anyhow, after three years in Chicago Heights, Illinois, the Lord moved us back to Akron, Ohio. And that's my hometown. And we moved back to a church. We just kind of fell into it. We were at a wedding. The pastor there said, hey, man, check out my church Sunday. You know, we were looking for God. I had no ministry leads. And we went to a place called Middlebury Chapel. And Middlebury Chapel was, is in the hood in Akron, Ohio. I pastored there. For, I ended up pastoring there for 23 years. I would go to work on Monday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning and pull in the parking lot. And a prostitute would come over to thinking that, hey, this guy's looking for a trip. I'd say, no, no, thank you. I'm the pastor here. I'm going to work. <laughs> and that's what it was like in Akron, Ohio. And for 23 years, we worked in the hood. It was a hard place, difficult. But you know what? We raised kids there. They were baptized there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. I got to minister the gospel. I got to see demons come out of people. I got to see people baptized. I got to see families grow. Their weddings, did funerals, everything. Family camp, children's church. And so many good things happened there. But you know what it was? When we first attended that church, the first service there, man, it was all a bunch of ex-hippies, homosexuals, and drug users that had met Jesus and had their life changed. And they were worshiping God with such open holiness and love for the kingdom. Worshiping Jesus. And man, I'm going to tell you something. I said, God, your presence is here, Lord. I feel your power. And, and we spent 23 years there. You know why? The call of God and the presence of God. That's what we need to look for in our past, the presence of God. And I stayed in that church, in the hood, in a difficult place for all those years and went through some difficult times because of the gospel. Yeah. And, and we, you know, Drew was raised there. It was, it was awesome. So the call of God, the will of God, the presence of God, and the provision of God will always be there when you seek Him. And we look back and see what God has done so that we might be encouraged for the future. Amen? Amen. We're going to the future. Every one of us, I think the movie says, we're going back to the future. But we're going there. And when Jesus will always lead us, he'll always be with you if you trust him today. And so God did all that for us. And I look back, and you know, as I look back at all that, it's not always a straight line when you're doing the will of God. It's not always from A to B. There's, there's some high valleys, I mean, some high places. There's some valleys. There's trials. There's difficulties. There's, there's just difficult things in life, right? Life is never, oh, it's always easy. It's hard sometimes. But I look back and say, the Lord, you made a way in all of that. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. It says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The, the rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. When you trust in Jesus, He takes every high place in your past, every low place, every demonic attack, and He, he just makes it level. It's like, man, Lord, I went through that, but I'm, I'm still standing today. I'm still doing your will. And that's what God promises to do in the life of a Christian. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So the Lord has overcome the world for every one of us. And as we trust in Him, we're going to see His glory. Amen? Amen. So I want to challenge you today as we, as we prepare to move into the Savannah, the church, and look for God to do awesome things. You know, I went to a, uh, a time fire school in ministry after leaving Akron for nine years. We were there, and we had a lot of international students come in from Germany and Holland and Africa, all over the world. And it was so cool because these students were away from home, they were Christians, they were going after the Lord, but they needed moms and dads, they needed encouragement. So we would do that, open our home for these kids, 
And it was such a blessing. And you know, I learned a lot from them too, learning about their culture. It was so awesome. And I thought, you know, as, as Relate goes into Savannah, all the SCAD students, they're gonna be there from all over the world. You've seen them when you go in there at the coffee shops. Those students need Christ. They're not necessarily believers. I don't know, some of them may be. But they need the Lord. And you know what? It's one of God's strategies to go anywhere and bring the gospel. Right. Some of the, in other nations, it's well known that they send their students here to our colleges, which are top-notch colleges, to get trained. And they go back, and they're leaders and government leaders. They're high in finance in these nations. And God's strategy is to reach them with the gospel yeah. and get them saved so they can go back. Because their countries, a lot of them come from godless countries. And God wants to win them with the gospel. What an opportunity. The gospel goes anywhere. Go into all the world. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and preach the gospel. Right. You know, just, just a couple days ago, it was on the news. It was Pastor Brunson. Brunson was in uh, Pakistan. And they finally freed him, a Christian pastor. They finally let him go. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And then yesterday, he's on the news again, and he's praying over President Trump. How in the world did that happen? But the Lord said, I will go wherever there's a door open. In high places, in palaces, in president's places, God sends his people. The gospel goes everywhere. It goes to the coolest of the coolest, the highest of the highest, and it goes to the lowest of the lowest to bring people to Christ. Isn't that wild? Isn't that crazy? I mean, God had to reach pretty low to get me. Why he got me, I don't know. It's his great love. I can look around today at family members, brothers and sisters that didn't make the same choice. It's like, why not, Lord? I don't know. But the Lord said, I chose you. I chose you to be salt and light in this world. Amen? Amen. So we can, we can never go back and only forward in God. Thank you, Lord, for the work you've done. God's working in your life today. Be encouraged. And with faith, we go into the future. Don't be afraid of the future, but look back and see what God has done. You know, wherever you go, you bring the kingdom of God today. So I want to challenge you as we prepare to move forward into Savannah, man. Just see what God will do. Embrace, embrace the opportunity to present Jesus. And in your own life, know God has a plan for you. And he's never, ever going to stop perfecting himself in your life. You know? And just give him the glory. So, Father, we thank you now for this time together. We thank you that we can be together. And I pray that your word would continue to go forth. And your people would take hold of God, the promises of God in our life. As we look back, Father, we would rejoice at the way you've been faithful in our lives. God, be faithful this morning for my brothers and sisters. Those who are going through hard times, may they look at your word and the promise of your word and see the faithfulness of Christ in their lives today and in the past, knowing you will be there in our future. We thank you this morning. We give you glory and praise. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being inside of us. For you are the one who is light and salt inside of us. Thank you this morning. We worship you now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Drew, I'm going to ask you to come. Amen. Hey, how many were encouraged by that message this morning? Yeah, it's, it's great. And you have your own story, and you're leading your own uh, faith story right now. Wherever, wherever faith enters your story, um, wherever Jesus enters, when things change. And before we kind of go on to our next point of the service and time again, I want to give opportunity. If you're here and you would say, Man, maybe your faith journey hasn't begun, or maybe it began and something got you sidetracked and you would say, listen, I'm, I'm in church, but I'm not necessarily in relationship with Jesus. And maybe, and maybe you're going through the motions, but if you're honest and had a real heart assessment moment, somebody would ask you, where are you with Jesus? You could just say, man, I'm loosely associated or I'm a believer, not necessarily a follower. I, my, my belief system lines up, but my lifestyle doesn't. Today, Jesus wants, wants you to be all in. 
all in. Jesus was all in for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and we know in John 3, 16, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, lived a, a perfect, sinless life, to be brutally murdered, naked on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. So I want to take a moment this morning. Can we close our, our eyes, bow our heads this morning? I just want to take a moment. I don't want to let a Sunday slip by or, or an opportunity slip by today for somebody that may be far from Christ to come back to him, to come close to him. Maybe you maybe you know what God has in mind for your life. Maybe you've been running from it. Maybe some things have separated you from God. Maybe it's been sin, our own sinful actions. Maybe it's uh, some hurt. Maybe it's some offense. Maybe it's some wounding in our life that maybe you threw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe you had a bad experience with church and because of that, it's Associate your association with God is now tainted. Here's the deal. Jesus is the only good, perfect, loving thing there is on this planet. It's, it's God's love. People will disappoint you. Religious organizations will disappoint you. Jesus will never disappoint you. His love is perfect. And His Word says His love will never fail. So this morning, I believe that God wants to do some healing in your story today. If you say, I'm not a religious person, that's fine. Religious people had a problem with Jesus. With eyes closed and heads, but I want to give you the opportunity if you're here today to pray a prayer of repentance. Repentance is saying, God, I turn from my sin. I ask for forgiveness of my sin, and I come close to Jesus. Jesus, I know you've come after me today. I, I receive you. If that's you this morning, with eyes closed and heads bowed, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise a hand and just say, Pastor, count me in on that prayer. I want to believe today that as I ask for forgiveness of my sins, that, that I'm not only forgiven, but that I'm made new. And what, what that forgiveness makes possible for us is to live a life victorious, a life that's not lived under the voice of shame, under the pointing finger of guilt and condemnation of the devil's accusations. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And through knowing that we're made right with Jesus, we can shut that mouth today. And maybe the shame that you've walked under, maybe you feel like it's a, a moving rainstorm that follows you. Today, that can be turned off in Jesus' name at salvation, at coming back and being made right with God. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, if there's anyone here this morning that would say, I want to surrender my life back to Jesus this morning, would you pop a hand up where you are? Just raise a hand and say, hey, that's me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Thank you. If you've raised your hand, you can set it back down. I spoke to eyes closed and heads bowed. I spoke to a friend just a couple days ago. I asked him how he was doing. He said, man, I just rededicated my life to Jesus last night. He's like, I've been struggling with drugs my entire life and anxiety and depression. Last night, I recommitted my life to Jesus. And I celebrated with him. And I prayed for him. And this morning, maybe you'd say, hey, I'm, I'm a Christ follower, but I've drifted. If you need just a comeback moment, or, or rededicating, say, Jesus, I've, I've done it my way, but I ain't Frank Sinatra. I'm not doing it my way. I want to do it your way. If you have, need a moment this morning, say, Jesus, I want to do it your way. Right now, would you pop a hand up and say, hey, I want to do it Jesus' way. I want to do it for his way today for him. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Church, let's repeat this prayer, every single one of us, out loud together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me with a perfect love. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you today. And I give you my life. I don't want to do it my way. I don't want to do it your way. I want to experience your perfect love. Come be in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Come on, let's celebrate it this morning. In His perfect love. The Bible says that His perfect love casts out all fear. So fear has no space in your story. Fear has to be pushed out. No fear of the future, fear of the past, fear of the decisions you made. Say, hey, it's under the blood of Jesus starting today. And moving forward, there is no fear because God's perfect love is in my life today. I pray that when you leave this room, you take it with you. You receive the fullness and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen.